Welcome to Why Wonders Why, a companion podcast to smart enough to know better. This episode is titled uh, Book Club Aliens. I don't read enough. Well, let me clarify that. I read all the time. My job just has me reading reports and I'm constantly reading for the podcast, catching up on all the latest scientific stuff. I just read all the time in social media. It's everywhere. What I don't read as much as I'd like are novels. I miss novels. I even read a lot of non-fiction, but just not fiction. But I've always loved it. And when I go back to it, I find a book and just read it, even if it's a trashy book. Like I've just recently started reading a lot of Warhammer 40,000 <laughs> books, which are utter trash. But I don't mean that in a negative way. They're just trashy, read, have fun. But a good science fiction novel, I just don't read. And that's what we're doing here today. We're going to investigate some great novels in science fiction about alien and alien intelligences and cultures. Enjoy! I've always wanted to do a book club on this podcast. It's something I've wanted to make happen for years. It just never kind of came to fruition, lots of different reasons. But I'm very lucky that I get to work with someone, a, a voice that you may recognize from earlier episodes. And this person is going to help me get this podcast book club going. Hello, Natasha. Hi, Greg. Nice to see you. And for those people with their eagle ears, uh, you would have heard Natasha talking about her amazing science discovery a couple of episodes ago. But we are not here to talk about space. Books. I don't care. You're here to talk. You're Dr. Natasha, are you a doctor <laughs> of books? I don't know. I'm a professor of reading from <laughs> Science Fiction University. So Fant- I'm here to help. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Now, uh, Natasha and I talk to each other in the halls of where we work. We have a habit of suddenly realizing many, many minutes have passed where we wax lyrical about the latest books we've read. And I have realized that every time I mentioned a book I've read, Natasha normally says, oh, yeah, I've read that. Have you read these seven other books? I'm like, I have not. Last time we met, we spent, I think, an entire hour and a half <laughs> in a parking garage, right? You were showing me to my car. Yes. And I was like, yeah, 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 yeah. Here's the parking thing. Now, look, I just want to quickly just check, have you read? And you said, but... <laughs> But yes, but have you read? And I said, oh, you're the only person I've ever met who's read. And, <laughs> and off we went and it was yep. 90 minutes. It was. It was great. We it, should have just gone to a cafe. We really should have. <laughs> we, we were two levels underground in a dank, dank car park. And that's where this podcast comes from. Hey. Here it is. It's it's <laughs> podcasting from a basement. And that's what leads to the madness. So thank you, Natasha, for joining me on this. We're going to be just chatting about science fiction books and having some fun with it. Getting uh, And it's not the latest book, the latest and greatest. These are just things that we have read that we like, that we would like to share with the listenership. And uh, listeners, once we get this, and let us know if you like this sort of format, if there's something that you feel value to, get in contact with myself and uh, we may do more in the future. So, Natasha, as the guest, I'm going to pass it to you. What do you want to bring to the book club today? Well, I think one of the most difficult things you can do in science fiction is write about aliens, right? Mm -hmm. To write about consciousnesses and intelligences that are 
manifestly completely different from our own. And there's a free book online available. It's a, it's a properly published book. This is, you know, it's a, it's a real book. Um, but the author's made it available and it's a great gateway into his work. The book is called Blind Sight by Peter Watts. Blind Sight. Okay, and, yeah. yeah. And so, so Blind Sight, I don't know if you know of the phenomenon, but it's a strange thing that can happen. Um, if you have partial brain damage in certain parts of your brain, where you can be functionally blind, right? You you can say, I cannot perceive these things around me. If you ask me questions, I can't answer them. But then if you throw somebody a ball with this condition, they can catch it. Oh. Right. So they can't see the ball. They don't know that they're catching it, mm. but they actually can see and catch the ball. And okay. so in Peter's book, what he's done is he's written aliens that not conscious, right? right? But they are intelligent. And so if you ask them things, they'll say, <laughs> I don't know. There is no I, right? I don't have uh, oh. an ability, but they are intelligent enough to know that we need to be speaking to an I. And they've, of course, you know, this is aliens. Mm-hmm. We've been broadcasting into space for years and years. So, they have this encyclopedia, not uh, encyclopedic knowledge of everything that we've ever said. Mm. So they know how to convincingly fake an eye. <laughs> oh, but are they really conscious yeah. or not? And of course, then you get into these wonderful circular questions of, well, well, am I conscious? I mean, I can't yeah. prove it. I'm telling you I am, mm. but how would you actually test that? So the book has this wonderful motley crew of people who also have different kinds of consciousness. So you have uh, somebody who has only one half of their brain. So they've had their corpus callosum has been cut. Oh, right. Oh, right. So they're, they're kind yeah. of like two people and they, right. they're bit in one skull. Yes. There's um, people I've... who kind of, okay, this sort of mild spoilers, but there's a sort of supernatural element as well with okay. a certain kind of supernatural creature brought oh, right. back so, from this, the past. It's science fiction though. We're not yeah. okay. This is a science fiction novel. It's though. science fiction. Right. Let's just let's just say there's there's a there's There's like mummies that, in it or something like that. It's, or, uh, it's, it's okay. Okay. I'll I'll, I'll <laughs> mild spoilers. Right. We can say I think we can spoil. But, I think it's like if it, I think it's like unless it's gonna ruin the book for everyone. No, think, no, no. It's like first ten pages. Yeah. Uh, so the cra- the captain of the motley crew in this spaceship that goes mm. out to meet the alien, the captain is a vampire. An actual an actual vampire. Supernatural and, vampire. Yeah. Well, sort of. So <laughs> basically imagine like a predatory race of humans who look like humans mm. but live alongside us mm. and, you know. The cannibals oh. uh, and also have a structure in their brain that makes them very very uh it basically they have a seizure if they see two straight edges intersect so oh. the whole, <laughs> that's amazing the whole explanation of crosses that's- so so yeah so it, it's it's a fascinating book to read because you've got on the surface of it it's quite a straightforward story a motley crew in spaceship goes and makes first contact with aliens visiting mm. the solar system but because everybody in the book has an altered consciousness mm. from the baseline human including the narrator you mm. have this really rich sort of complicated interesting story that makes you question 
your consciousness and your <laughs> your see you know the way you see oh the world goodness. and what is the right way to see the world and yeah i so for me it's one of the best books that's really explored what alien intelligences would be like and not just the aliens but us as well but that sounds insane when you're talking about the aliens without having consciousness but intelligence that already breaks my mind i know and, right but then the idea they fake it i stuck my brain went straight to like sociopaths like people, right. people who you like, they, they look around, they're like, I don't know why everyone does this thing, but everyone else does it. So I better just fit in. Otherwise, you know, I'll end up going to jail or something or get put in a loony bin. Yeah, so, that's right. So yeah. You, or, uh, or like a machine learning kind of algorithm. Yes. You know, like the, Eliza the, or something like that. One of those old yeah. things. Yeah. 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 Uh, Dr. Spatzo was the one that I had on my computer okay, when right. I was a kid, but yeah. that, that was, you know, a, an expert system. Mm. So nowadays with, you know, machine learning, you could train on, well, GPT-3, for instance, right? You've trained on all of humankind's text and it can create a pretty convincing fantasy story. You know, you say, (laughs) okay, GPT-3, um, you're, you enter a a castle, there's a (laughs) chandelier, are you here? Footsteps, go. And it will just create a a story. Oh, wow. uh, Yeah. So I'm just waiting until I can say, Galaxy clusters are the largest gravitationally bound structures in the universe, and it will just write the rest of the paper for me. Because honestly, uh. you can say yeah, um, looked at by Dr. Natasha Hurley Walker, but written by this. Yeah, <laughs> by written by GPT three. Yeah, that'd be great. Um, so, it's, so yeah, it's, it's got this sort of element of like, well, at what point? I mean, of course, it's the great Turing question, right? Mm. If the machine seems to be intelligent and, mm-hmm. and conscious. And it claims to be, mm. then is it? And yes. yeah. that's the fun sort of philosophical problem that they're playing with. But of course, the fate of humanity is at stake. Are these oh, aliens oh, intelligent right. and friendly or are mm. they just pretending to be or oh, what? And right. how can you ever trust something that isn't conscious? Yes. Well, I, how can you trust something that's conscious as well? Like that's oh. sort of, you know, like everyone's got yeah. their secrets and their, you know, their biases and their backgrounds mm. and yeah. So are the aliens doing anything untoward or are they accident? You know, sometimes these stories are sort of like they're going to eat all the planets to make a big thing or something like that. Or is it's this much more about the tension, to be honest? This is a pretty like intellectual book. So the, the, the spaceship is there, the crew go out to meet it. And then it's really about intentions. It's about mm. like the messages that they're sending between themselves and the alien ship. Uh, one of them starts to see things to hallucinate. Okay. And it's not clear whether they're hallucinating mm. or whether potentially the aliens are already here and oh. we are we are not able to see them because oh, no. they're exploiting <laughs> gaps in our perception. Possibly oh, right. spoilers. Oh, okay. So Uh-oh. so there's there's all this but because it's combined with the unreliable narration, mm. you have to kind of unpick everything and think about what it would be like if you were looking at it from the point of view of that character. Mm. So I, it's a, okay. it's a wonderful book and quite short as well. So you can really like get your existential crisis in, you know, just <laughs> over a bowl of breakfast cereal. It's that's great. An, that's, that's all you need. That sounds, that sounds fantastic. Actually, that sounds like a love. That's Blind Sight by, mm-hmm. by Peter Watts. By Peter Watts. That's fantastic. Okay. Everyone go find that immediately and it's free. The perfect price for a book. Uh, now the aliens, are they? How are they, are they physical aliens? Are they, are they, or is that, a big, is that too much information at this point? Later in the book, you'll find out what the aliens are like in that yes. sort of physical sense. But I think the 
the creepy and interesting part for me is about their minds mm. and how that is holding up kind of a dark mirror to ourselves. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's, that is interesting. Yeah. How would that civilization work? How would, how do you interact? Do you have any connection at all with these people? Especially if I mean, humans have enough trouble dealing with other humans, which wear different clothes or eat different food or anything like that. Mm. Uh, this it, is, I guess so, as well, I'm, I'm not sure it's even made clear in the book. So I don't think that this is a spoiler because I think a lot is left open because you're very much in the viewpoint characters who mm. are unreliable narrators. But thinking about this from a sort of Fermi paradox point of view, I think we're far more likely to, if we were ever to be approached by a spacecraft, it's not mm. going to be filled with the original aliens who sent <laughs> the spacecraft because every every planet is going to have a generation ship problem, right? Mm. It's, we're just, space is just that big. Mm. So you're probably more likely to get paid a visit by some kind of self-replicating probe, mm. you know, some kind of robot slash computer. So yeah. if it, it, I don't think it's made clear in the book, so I don't think this is spoilers. I think it could be that this is just a very sensible way of exploring the universe mm, would be to mm. send out these kinds of creatures. But yeah. I think that's left ambiguous. That, and that makes ties back. We were talking about before as in AI and how do you know it's conscious and, and you would just, it, it is you in the end, you create these things. Uh, this is getting a bit philosophical now, more of a philosophical treatise and I've discussed it before on the podcast, but I have a definite feeling of people are very scared. You see like Elon Musk and those sort of people are going, AI is going to kill us all. And I've always, I've always had a bit of a problem with that because uh, I guess if you make it in a lab and you poke it with a stick, I, but I don't think, I don't think intelligence is going to get made that way. I think, I don't think we're going down the right path at the moment. And I'm much more in the E&M Banks culture concept um, mm -hmm. of the minds, the capital M minds who we make and then they make uh, more and more clever versions. And, and in the end, these super intelligent things and they just see us as their slightly dopey parents. And they're kind of like, oh, look at granddad. They're so slow and silly. And they, and, but they're us because they came from our stock intelligence. Mm. And so they, they, they don't, it's not like they just turn up and go kill all humans. That's my issue. They're going to be us, I think. Yeah. I, I mean, uh, this is obviously a separate, whole separate series of books <laughs> we could talk about with the culture series, but mm, oh. I kind of feel like it's quite a <laughs> utopian vision. Um, that just because we've created it that they would have any kind of loyalty or kind of patterning. I mean, we create a lot of AI systems, right? We create the Amazon recommendation system. Mm. We create the, the the automated systems in the US that hand down sentencing, mm. which mm. entirely are based on racial profiling. Yes. Um, and yeah. none of those things have empathy. They're just designed to maximize a particular goal. So the, the mm. thing with AI is it's all about the control problem. You know, how if you if you set up a set of incentives for the AI system, how do you stop it from going for those incentives in a completely terrifying way? Yes. And so I yeah. would recommend, this is not a science fiction book, a book called Superintelligence, Paths, Dangers and Strategies mm -hmm. by Nick Bostrom. Okay. Yep. And that's, spare, another book. Excellent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. I can't help it. They just, just <laughs> leaking out of me. But yeah, it's a really, a really great exploration of what the dangers are mm. with AI. And I think, um, that my, I think the thing that sums it up is there's a wonderful parable at the beginning where there's a, like a, a little civilization of mice and mm. they're like, Oh, we've realized that we could get the owl to work for us. We could, <laughs> we could have the owl run little errands. It could do the, it could go and get wheat from the fields for us. Wonderful. Mm. Right. We should try and catch the owl. And all the mice are very excited. And <laughs> one mouse is like, 
are you maybe we should work out how to control the owl mm. before we go and catch it <laughs> yes. and all the other mice are like no it'll be fine we'll go and catch the owl we don't need to solve the control problem mm. and of course that's very that's exactly what's happening with ai it's like yeah. everyone's rushing to create it but maybe you should work out how you would control it first that sounds great. So yes, I want you to read Blind Sight. So I want to continue the theme of aliens. And I really love a book came out in 2015, I do believe. And it's called Children of Time by Adrian Tchaikovsky. Oh, love it. Yep. I, I just, this, and I, I, I stumbled upon this book totally by chance. I was back in the before times. I got to travel a lot for work and all over the place. And I would invariably take books with me, but this one I'd forgotten. So I just quickly at the airport, I was like, oh, grab a book. And I was looking for a cool book and I was reading all the blurbs in the back. I, went, I just wanted a bit of science fiction, found this book and read it and went, oh my goodness, I've, stumb- I've stumbled on like this amazing book. It was pretty new at that time too. Like I think it was been out for a year at that point. And I was just, oh my God, it's the best book in the world. <laughs> uh, it is so good. So, so surprisingly good. First thing I'll say, it's funny, the name Children of Time, though I understand why it's called that, really has, I felt originally had nothing to, like it's, it really, mm. it doesn't really describe the book at all, but. Anyway, synopsis is humans have terraformed a world very, very, very far away from Earth. It's the only one we've ever done. Uh, and it's, and we've seeded it with life. It's ready to go. And we're going to send people out to this world. And, but it's a long, long, long way away. You've got to go into cryo sleep. And for, I think it's, it's decades, if not hundreds of years. I don't quite mm. remember anymore, but it's like a long, long time. And so this colony ship goes there, uh, with Kerr, uh, the, the scientist, her name is Kerr, last name K-E-R-K-E. K-E-R. Like the black uh, hole metric. Yes, yes. And, and, <laughs> well, the spaceship, I only realized this when I was looking back over the notes, it's the spaceship is called the Brin, which is great. Oh, David lovely. Brin. Yeah. I, I was like, oh, uplift. Okay. Yeah, yeah, um, uplift. I um, wonder why uplift would be mm, on the yes, Tell me more. The, <laughs> so they get to this planet and long times pass. And when they get back, they're getting no more messages from Earth. It seems like some sort of, what are they called? Luddite uprising quasi-religious slash luddite uh, uprising has happened all technology seems to be destroyed they, these people seem to have won maybe the earth is dead as well they don't know and oh my goodness we're all, all by ourselves and that's bad enough mm. and and but don't worry scientists Kerr, she's going to drop apes on this planet and uh, release and then release a nanovirus that will uplift these apes give them human intelligence over a period of generations Big plan. That's her great plan. And then they all come back and use this as a, uh, a subservient race, basically. Like, let them develop their own civilization, come back and go, hey, we're your gods. Now, please give us mint juleps, I guess. I mean, there's so many ethical issues here, but yeah. Yeah. Kerr is not, she's not a nice person. Like, she's, she's a bit, she's not a good person, which also ties into the story later on as well. Unfortunately, on the ship, it turns out these Luddite, quasi religious Luddite people are on the ship and they are, ready to strike. Now they've got the signal saying the earth is gone. They're going to destroy everything here as well. And they destroy the ship and they kill all the apes. And it's a disaster. It's like, oh no, humans are stuffed. Everyone dies on the ship except for Kerr who uploads her mind to a, she put, he has a body and she uploads her mind into a computer. Mm. And she's like, oh, it's all gone to heck. The nanovirus has been released. Well, cause it, 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 it fell out of the sky. That's story ends tragedy. Next chapter. This nanovirus couldn't affect anything, only the apes. 
But one thing it did seem to affect is an orb spider, um, a, a Porsche something or other. And mm-hmm. this little spider that's only that little spider can is suddenly uplifted, not to human level intelligence, just slightly, slightly smarter, slightly smarter. She's a slightly smarter spider. And then it's each chapter at that point is generations later, the next spider and they yeah. get, they get bigger and they get clever and it's the best. Uh, it's, it's, it's a great story. And it's about this, this civilization of spiders developing mm. on their world with their, with this light going around their planet, this, this light, and that's Kerr and his spaceship. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That they kind of worship. They don't realize why they worship it, but they're like something. This light seems very regular. We don't know what mm. the light is. I just, and they even, ah, oh, it's the best. I find. Yeah. It, absolutely. I'm so excited. Yeah, I, I, I loved a lot of things about that book, the way they communicate via vibrations yes. along webs yes and yeah the i guess bit of feminism here because the main <laughs> character is usually female mm-hmm. uh sort of through each generation yep. i think the males have to fight for rights if i they, remember correctly. they do the males are said in fact I was, the joke i was going to make about it is terror of a truly matriarchal society <laughs> yeah i think where, where they actually eat them they, they right? do it's, yes <laughs> <laughs> and they eat them, they let them mate and then they kill them. And, and the males, uh, the males become the women, the, the women, the females are all the, the politicians and the warriors. And They're the scientists. Bigger, and the scientists. Yeah. And the males, the male, are, are the males scientists as well? I can't remember. I feel like eventually they yeah. get there. I, yeah. There's a whole like, Men's rights movement, but yes. not the way that sounds when yeah. I'm saying it. No, 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 no. It's like, and they're like, please stop killing us. Please stop mating with us and murdering us. We'd like them like, shut up. And like, oh, okay. yeah. do, you, do you want to get murdered? Like, we only keep you around for your pretty face. Like, oh, okay. And it, yeah, it was, that's such a wonderful part too. I do love those kind of ethical conundra where you've got something that is sort of uh, brought upon you by biology. Mm. And yet as an intelligence, you have to say, well, is this actually ethical? Because mm. of course it makes us hold up that mirror again mm. to our own society and say, yeah. well, what, uh, you know, exploiting slave races, yes. uh, treating the genders dif- dif- differently, you know, all of these ways in which we might push down on other intelligences. Mm. That's not ethical. And yet biology is sort of pre-programming you a little bit to just, yeah. um, to, to take advantage. What is ethics? That's, that's a good point. When they, hmm. they enslave ants and they turn the ants into their computer systems in the yeah. end and, and the ants run around in different paths and that becomes their computers, biological computers. But is that ethical? Like there's the whole idea of as you said, enslaving other races and, yeah. and, and so it goes right through the history from, from cave, cave spiders. You want to think of it that way. Cave <laughs> spiders, you know, as in pre, prehistory. Then they go through like a Roman period, not, not, not literally, but as in they go through that sort of period and they keep jumping forward and but they're doing it very quickly. Quickly. So in the space of a couple hundred years, they go through what's taken us thousands of years, uh, of, well, even millions of years of evolution physically. And then, spoilers, but then humans aren't dead. Mm. Another spaceship has been sent. People turn up, the colonists turn up going, hi, we, we're expecting a lovely world full of loveliness. And what the hell is this? <laughs> oh! And these spiders are like, how are you doing? You're like, oh! And, and, well, and, they're like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Vibrating the web. Why aren't they listening? Yes, they're so dumb, and they don't—they don't realize we're intelligent. They—they well, as humans, they're like, well, they can't understand, they can't see, and they don't know what they're just like. What? And they—and the spiders are big now, like they've got bigger. Mm. Uh, That's that's an intelligent because the tie in there was humans are quite large. That's as in we're one of the largest macro fauna on the planet. And I think Adrian Tchaikovsky, though I haven't read this, just my opinion, Adrian Tchaikovsky was 
equating intelligence and size and something there as well. So the spiders get big. So they're, they're like a meter across body with legs that go further, which is horrific. <laughs> it's a bit nerve wracking. But, but then, then think how we seem to them. Oh, yeah. The horrible yeah. pillars of soft, squishy yeah. flesh producing vibrations in the air and going around trying to stomp on us. Yeah, they, mean, they, and, and, and we don't handle them very well. And they don't handle no. us very well. It's what's, I don't want to ruin the end because there's a sequel, Children of Ruin, mm. uh, which, which is. <laughs> Just makes it sound like, and the end is just, you know, a bunch of stomped spider cor- corpses <laughs> they, and children of ruin. But I, I don't want to, I don't want to ruin the ending because the ending was honestly surprising. It took, mm. it went in a direction I was not, I, I knew it. I went, oh, here we go. I know our humans turn up and they're, they've got the guns and they've got the metal technology, which the spiders never developed metal technologies. They didn't have fire. I don't think they've got chemical reactions. They're not, you know, they're, they're doing very, very well, but they, they make rockets, um, they make a, they launch by, um, uh, I think they have a chemical reaction, but they also, they, it's got to do with like slingshotting things into the space. Mm. Like it's all different and lots of web technology. And of course they're much better at space travel than we are because they're, um, they, they can go upside down and they, they can cling yeah. on to things. They're and they're slightly more vacuum proof as well. Aren't yes. They? Yeah. They're ch- chitinous and they can, mm. they have to wear a simple, a simple sock over their body to stop themselves. Yeah. It was great. And so then you have that showdown between humans and their big metal tin can and their guns and their attitude and the spiders who are like, no, 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 no. We own this. Kerr's world is ours. And then it goes somewhere else. And that's all yeah. I'm going to say. I don't want to ruin the yeah. end because I was no. really surprised. I loved the ending and I was really impressed. Uh, yeah. So everyone should read Children of Time. I adore this book. I think Seconded. I think He's a wonderful, wonderful writer. But yes, everyone should read that. Go read um, Children of Time, even if you don't like spiders. Uh, Especially if you don't like spiders. Yeah, you may like them by the end. But I want to go back to you talking about the the biases and ethics. I I find that's really interesting as well, because they're saying things, the spiders are saying things like, the well, if males want equal rights, then why are they weak and sickly and small? Like, well, that's what biology tells us to do. So I just want to eat them. So why shouldn't I? And the males are like, how about no? And they're like, how about shut up? And... And I, and, and that's, and that makes me think about ethics and right and wrong. And, and you go down some very weird paths with that. Cause you go, people go, you can't kill people. And you're like, why not? And you're like, because it's unethical. And you go, why is it unethical? And it's, yeah. and, and I don't mean I want to kill people, or, but, but you go, where, where's the basis for that? Like, yeah, what, absolutely. What, I, and I think it's, it's, it's based in the way that we've evolved and mm. how we are able to empathize. Mm. When I say I, would rather not kill a person mm. it's because i can very easily imagine those tables being turned mm. and somebody saying well if that life is not worth anything your life isn't worth anything either yeah. but imagine no lives matter <laughs> well <laughs> they've either all got to matter or they they none yeah. of them matter absolutely and and i always when when people kind of try and say that no no there's an absolute morality to mm. the world i would say well what if ants had been the dominant Mm. Uh, life form on this planet. I mean, in some ways they are. There's, they are. there's more ants by mass mm. than anything else. Mm. Uh, ants and termites, I think, outweighs everything else. Mm. But, um, Best ooh, yes, the horrible thought. Uh, <laughs> no, no, sorry. Uh, nothing is horrible. It's a value judgment, unnecessary. Um, but so ants, if they were, um, you know, forming uh, civilizations and they had to come up with laws and codes of ethics, mm. their codes of ethics would be, well, if your limb is damaged, mm. it's best for you to just give up now and be mm. eaten 
<laughs> and all of your atoms and your energy can be repurposed back into the collective uh, because, well, frankly, you know, there's quadrillions of us yeah. and any one ant is not really of any consequence whatsoever. Mm. And so that that whole attitude of, of you know, what, what we would care for somebody who just mm. like mm. got a paper cut and to be like, no, nope, <laughs> that's the lunch. end for you. Yeah, so yeah. So it's to me, it's every morality system is just every intelligence trying to reconcile the facts of its biology mm. with the fact of its intelligent and intelligence and quest for self-preservation. Mm. But those, all the weighting factors that go into that are going to be different for every species. And I also don't think that there's any universal solution. I mean, if you look at the trolley problem, for instance, mm-hmm. that just shows there's these huge holes in any ethical framework that we can come up with. Yeah. And you end up with strange sort of say, uh, things like, I, it just doesn't seem right to me. Yes. And, yeah. Or, what? what, yeah. what? <laughs> yeah. So I want to share with you something that has really annoyed me on the subject. So did you watch The Good Place? Yes. Right. So in The Good Place, they are they have an absolute system of morality mm-hmm. where you get points for doing good mm-hmm. things and you get mm, lose points for doing bad things. Mm-hmm. And I think it's at the end of season two, they work out, or maybe season three, I can't remember, mm-hmm. but they work out that basically nobody has ever got positive points in like mm-hmm. the last, ever since the industrial revolution. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Everything that we do is a net negative to the world, no matter how well-intentioned. Yes, And they leave it at the end of that season as if they're going to solve this problem. Mm. And of course, that is the great ethical question of our time. Mm. How should we live when everything that we do impacts Mm. how future generations, uh, what resources they'll have access to, what climate they'll live under? And if you look at the growth rate that a civilization should have in order to be sustainable on the timescale of the lifetime of the sun, Mm. (laughs) it's basically quadrillionth of a percent. It's Mm -hmm. this tiny, tiny thing. And yet we're saying let's grow at two or three or four or five percent, which means there will be no resources for the future. Mm. I was so gutted when in this comedy sitcom, they didn't solve the greatest ethical question of our time. They just sidestepped it and went on to something else in season four. Yeah. Yeah. They, they, I think they went on and said, Oh, actually, this is, this is all being a, this has been, it's wrong. And we're going to just get rid of the system. And we'll just get rid of the system. And 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 everyone can just get nicer points now. So you'll get, you'll get to go to the good place. Yeah. It's like, wait, what? (laughs) Yeah. The issue is not that you're destroying the planet anymore. That's not going to be, we're not going to worry about that. As we're not going to worry about that too heavy, apparently, that's, that's, as it yeah, turns out. Yeah. Oh, I that, was so disappointed. <laughs> that show ends in the very last series. I was like, once in spoils to the end of the good place, but they, they go to heaven and they run heaven for a bit and then they get bored and they, 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 they need a way out and they want to, because heaven's a horrible place because it's everyone's just eternity doing nothing. And so have you seen the end? Have you seen the last yeah, scene? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen it. And, yeah. and they 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 come up with the idea of destroying themselves and basically giving their and, and destroying that's the that's the what they need. They need to have an end. And mm. they once they are allowed to have an end, they have this wonderful intense amount of time. Uh was was it a Jeremy Beremy amount of yeah, time? Yeah, at least. At least at least eight or nine Jeremy Beremies. Yeah. And then and then one by one they die. And everyone was like, How wonderful this is. And I watched with open mouth horror at the end because uh, uh, that's suicide 
Mm. And, and I have strong feelings about that, but everyone on the, I went and checked the ink. I watched and sat back and really like thought about it and, and went, I feel really uncomfortable about this ending and how mm. this is being portrayed. And I went and checked the internet and everyone on the internet was like, it's, oh my God, it was perfect. And I loved it. And I, I felt really alone for a long time because oh. I was anyone, I was anyone. It's, it's okay. I got over it. But it was like, everyone else is like, oh, how wonderful. I was like, they killed themselves. And it was like, yeah, 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 yeah. but they made a choice. I was like, they killed themselves. And I, I know. I'm a finite creature, even, even if I am immortal, which I'm working towards as the all listeners know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a practicing immortal. We'll see how that goes. Even if I am immortal uh, and get it, I'm going to be destroyed in an accident. I can't, I mean, if I'm biologically immortal, they, mm. I think I read somewhere once that in a modern society, you probably get about 2000 years before you, 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 a plane falls on your head or the building collapses around you. Oh. Statistically, you're going to last about 2000. It's like final destination, but it, it's yes. 2000 years long. You're going to, the world is just going to get you at some point. Yeah. Like, you just live long enough in the end. It was fight club in a long enough timeline. Everyone's chance of survival goes to zero. Yeah, and you, even if you were mortal. So I had a big problem with that ending. Um, but no one else seems to. So I'm, that's all right. <laughs> Yeah, it's tricky. It's, it's a solution. It's certainly an easy one for a TV show. I think because a TV show needs to have a conclusion as well. That's mm. a, that's a big problem here. Uh, it's why I can't enjoy almost any kind of entertainment anymore because I can see the narrative logic that pushes the plot towards where it needs to go. Mm. And then I go, okay, well, what would be emotionally satisfying for the reader slash viewer? Oh, well, it would be something that looks like this. Oh, okay. I can see how that's going to work. And so everything is spoiled for me. I think this is just getting old when you've read enough, uh, yes, seen enough. Yes, you yeah. just know how these things have to turn out. Yes. And that's what that happened there, right? Well, actually, it is a difficult question. And I think that some science fiction books mm. have actually struggled with this. <laughs> good, and good, I good, think, back. Well done. I know, right? We'll try and get back to the topic. Um, <laughs> come up with good solutions, which mm. is, so I think in, it's quite a few Peter F. Hamilton books. Mm. I don't know if you've read. Mm. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Um, yeah. So he often has these like super rich, immortal elite people are like mm. this, this, the heroes of all his stories mm. are like these wealthy, like technocrats mm. who go around having adventures, which is sort of unashamedly space opera, right? Yeah. It's like we, you, you're not going to be interested in the life and times of some peasant on mm. Epsilon Prime Five. You really want to know about the guy who owns the entire company that <laughs> that breaks all the spaceships or yeah. whatever. He's going to go yeah. and have adventures. It's very unashamed in that way. All those elites get bored after a few hundred years of gallivanting and mm. being made to look you know, permanently 26 mm. and they have all the sex in the world and the universe and so forth, but mm. they just get bored. So they get their memories erased mm. and, and, and not just erased, but like packaged up. I think in some of the books, they put them somewhere. Yeah. So if they really wanted to, they could get them back. But that yeah. way it's a bit like, you know, pressing the reset button. They've still got where they are and all the fun they can have, but they don't remember doing a bunch of stuff so they can do it again. Yeah. That's, that's, that's one solution. I think that the, the that's part of it. I, um, I read a great article this week, actually, talking about how um, memory loss as you get older is not necessarily a sign of decay, which I was like, great. Thank goodness I've read this article. Thank goodness. But the idea is that it's actually a sign of intelligence and a sign, which of course it would, I would think that was good. And, but as you just said, you need to process out. You're not going to remember everything. You're not a computer and you don't need to remember every last moment. And your brain goes through and just edits stuff away. As you get a longer and longer life, your brain's like, don't need that. Don't need this. And you may sometimes go, no, I brain, I really needed that. <laughs> but you know, but, but it, your brain's like, eh, I know you didn't and you're going to be fine. 
and there's something to that. Uh, I, I worried from an early age that I was losing my memory quite early, um, in my twenties. And it really spooked me that I was like, I can't remember these things decayed my cognitive ability. I just forget certain things and, and then I can enjoy them again. So I understand that. I've had friends tell me things. Remember this? And you're like, no. Like we went and did a thing and you go, tell me about it. And they tell me, go, yeah, that does sound like me. Like that sound in character. <laughs> so that, but it's, but I'm like, I've, I'm like, I don't even remember that. But obviously it didn't sit in my memory. Um, so yeah. I think you can, as you get older and if you lived a really long time, you would just lose great swaths of time and that would be okay too. I think, I think. And I think these things hmm. are all fine when you're talking about where you put your car keys or <laughs> what you would name a file when you're doing some coding. Like the number of times I've got written a, a, a file name and I've gone, oh, that file name already exists because it's exact, mm, even if it's quite mm. a long name, it's exactly <laughs> the kind of name that I would give that file. Yes. Horrifying, like right down to the case. So <laughs> that's all fine. But of course, the interesting part is where that intersects with other people. And so, you know, the, the, that's a that's a recurring theme in fiction, that mm. idea of the immortal curse to live forever and mm. lose more and more human connection mm-hmm. as they get older and older. And yes. it sounds like I'm going to segue into a book recommendation, but there's actually so many. Yes, that I, <laughs> it's, it's, I think there's a lot to that. Um, there's I, many, 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 many moons ago. My, my first serious uh, girlfriend, she was horrified to discover that I wanted to live forever. She was like, no, no, I don't want to live forever. And that was probably that time I probably went, we're not going to last. Like it's like the first inkling of, and it was quite early in the relationship too. I didn't think at the time, but like now thinking back, I'm like, yeah, that was probably a good sign. Anyway. So and it's been 400 years. It's now been 400 years and we're still good <laughs> friends. It's fine. Uh, her thing was she didn't want to outlive her children. And, and like she, that was very scary to her, you know, and I was like, Oh, okay. I see what you're saying. And, and I get that point. But, and then here's why I'm a monster. And she said, but you know, so but one day, so what you're saying is you want to live forever and I don't. So one day I'm going to die. Like, what happens to you then? And I went, I love you. You're, I love you, but I love you now. And, and in the future, I'm, if I'm, a, if I'm 10,000 years old, I'm going to love again. I know I will. I'm going to mm. meet someone. And that doesn't, and, and cause that doesn't go down well when you're like 20 and you're, you know, you're desperately in love with someone and you just told them, by the way, I'm going to replace you. Um, <laughs> Eventually, though. Eventually. Eventually, obviously. On a long enough timeline, it's going to happen. And, and yeah. I mean, if you died and, and I went, but the, and that's okay because we would have our time and that would be beautiful and wonderful, but that time would end in some way. Either relationship ends or one of us carks it. It's going to have to end. And then you shouldn't. And then you go on to another relationship. It doesn't tarnish the first relationship, but maybe I am a sociopath. I maybe don't know. she just really took Romeo and Juliet to heart. And thought this is the model for healthy relationships. <laughs> I don't know. No, no, I don't. I just, I I'm just, on your side here. Uh, yeah. I think, and I think as well, if if I were on the other side of that, I don't know. Maybe uh, if I come down with some terrible disease, which gives me <laughs> only a few years to live, I would definitely, explicitly tell my partner, mm. "You may certainly go and find love again. Mm. Please don't pine for me. That's yeah, ridiculous. ridiculous. I want you to be happy." Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, yes, yes. That's a, yeah, that's yeah. yeah. Anyway, mm, that's, yeah. I, th- I think most people think that, but yeah, if you live long enough time, and then even if you're children, I, I yeah, I'm, I'm. But so that's where it's interesting. So mm. it's not, it's not so much about like I don't think we can conceptualize it, right? So mm-hmm. we, um. If you had lived for a thousand years and you fell in love again, you mm. would just know that that twenty or so years is just gonna, it's just gonna mm. fly by. Mm-hmm. 
And you know, I, I obviously nobody has this lived experience, but a lot of writers touch on this about mm. how would you actually be able to commit to any of that at that point? Would you be able to remember the moments? Would you be able to remember the name? Yes. Uh, would you keep turning to them <laughs> and saying things like, "Oh, should we?" visit that little cafe and then yes. you're like oh crap that one that one got burned down a thousand years yeah. ago and it, we yeah. Yeah, and it was someone else yeah it was someone else how awkward um <laughs> but, but we do that i've done that in my life i've i've said to people i know oh do you remember that oh that wasn't you oops yeah. like, that, i've <laughs> done i've done that i go and that's that's only living sure but a couple imagine, so imagine after a thousand years <laughs> yeah you'd be completely irritating you'd be just unable <laughs> like it would be maybe, the worst maybe, you'd be trying maybe. to have conversations with people and if it's if you know taking what you were saying to its logical conclusion of mm. that you don't need to know this you don't need to know this you don't need to know this your brain is like you've had enough similar experiences mm. that you don't need these specifics you probably wouldn't be able to remember anybody's name anymore or like I mean, are you are you that's so you think it would become an ongoing issue of just not yeah i think just constantly uh, like oh, if, okay. if taking what you're saying to its logical mm. conclusion you would have had so many interactions with so many similar people yeah that it would be like meh, they're all kind of interchangeable at this point i feel uh, that sometimes now don't you feel that sometimes <laughs> now sometimes i meet people and go are there like 10 carbon copies of humans in the world that i'm i like, have wondered about especially in perth whether there's actually only about 15 people yeah and i'm in some kind of truman show yes uh, and the dk is really really good but actually there's only like 15 personalities um i feel like probably that's just that i don't get to know enough people well that's, enough to be able to tell the difference probably that's the occam's razor but you know could still no, no, be no. true also truman show all right yeah. well we got well well off track here well off track so that was that was the end of the talk about the um um we were talking about a book a children book of time children of time so we're gonna do one more i think we're gonna move on do you want to do one yeah, more one sure. more book yeah so continuing on the theme of writing about aliens there is a wonderful book that apparently was written just for me called the clockwork rocket by greg egan and it concerns a female astrophysicist who is trying to work out the truth about her reality Mm -hmm. oh that just sounds so familiar (laughs) i just just so strange But the thing is that she is an alien, not just on another planet. That whole planet is in a completely different universe. And not just like, oh, a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, a different universe with different laws of physics. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my God. Like, Does, you, do your, does your science fiction book not have enough graphs? <laughs> you need to read The Clockwork Rocket. Like, uh, Did you really think that what you needed was an mm. appendix with about 40 pages of new new kinds of physics how physics in a, works in, a, in this like, <gasps> and this is the book for you no it's definitely the book for me um but really it's 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 a great adventure story even if you just gloss over the diagrams you don't actually need to read the diagrams but it's really really great so she's on a planet and she lives in like a village she's not the most popular girl always got to start as an underdog right and eventually she sort of finds her calling as at that time it's more like a natural philosopher so there's mm. no real like physics she kind of founds physics she's sort of like an isaac newton uh. type character and she makes some of these measurements of the stars in their sky and when i was reading these descriptions i was thinking these are this is really strange she's talking about the colors being split up from mm. the stars and it's basically is that 
the speed of light is proportional to the wavelength of light. <laughs> so the fast stars that, that are moving across their sky more quickly have many different colors. Mm-hmm. And so she can like track these different colors and then work out how fast the stars are moving and also the speeds of light. Mm, the speeds, speeds of light. light. Yeah. That's upsetting. And <laughs> then there all follows this sort of amazing kind of physics exploration, which then ties in quite deeply to the biology of her race. And this is where it gets into fun space feminism. So yeah. I'm like, oh my God, this is so good. <laughs> so their race doesn't reproduce sexually or asexually. It's it's kind of a kind of a combination. So the women, the females, they are um, the, the the people who create new people, mm-hmm. and they do that by dividing in half, <laughs> and then they die. Right? Oh. They, they literally give their lives to produce more people. Wow! So, yeah. do, so do two people come out of like come out so, of them? Or, or, yeah. Or? So they they right. they they, fo- they form four people basically. Oh right, okay. So it's they make two males and two females when they when they split, and the the males contribute to this there's basically uh like an infrared signaling mechanism that passes over the dna or the 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 the, the some of the reproductive information from the male right there's just a hand wavy like don't worry about it too yeah. much because they, they, they're not clones then these are these are so they're not clones they are they do have attributes of the the, the male in the in the partnership but the woman has to die to create the four children. Yeah. And then wow. the man becomes the sole parent for the children. Mm. And so the life is really, really clearly delineated into these two phases where you have um, your your sort of childhood, where you are one of the children being cared for, and then you hit adulthood. Mm. And there's this tiny window of a few years where you're expected to sort of you know you could do a bit of farming you could maybe invent something mm. but if you're a woman mm. times are ticking you yeah. need to start dividing to create yeah. the next generation <laughs> yeah. and the men are the ones that look after the babies and so there was so so yalda who's the the main character she is a single child so normally what happens is you get a boy and girl pair two boy and girl pairs mm-hmm. but her boy person didn't mm-hmm. form during right. the oh, the split okay. so she's alone she has two siblings mm-hmm. but she's alone and that is like the ultimate like outcast position in society to not have a sibling mm-hmm. the opposite sex and her father says something really early on in the book which just will live with me but she's talking about look i don't have a partner I don't want a partner. Mm. I think I'm just going to not divide and have mm. babies because there's no one to look after them anyway. Mm. I'm not going to find another male to partner with. I'm just going to be alone and maybe I'll die of old age. Mm. Uh, and and he says, no daughter of mine will ever die of old age. And I just thought mm. <laughs> the control, the level of patriarchy yeah. in that society that the men control not just the women's reproductive rights, but their reproductive rights are their rights to live. Yeah. And so it's yep. such a strong oh. setup where you've got this, you know, this woman who's seeing the truth of the universe, but she's mm. under pressure from everybody in society to literally kill herself and yeah. have children. So the, the, anyway, so the, there's that tension can, set up. Mm, it's great. Mm. I can see, I can see, um, I can see the, the allegories in that. <laughs> yeah. And if you hadn't had enough allegories, here's another one. So fairly rapidly she's worked out that in fact there's a real problem with the motion of the stars Mm -hmm. and actually 
they're probably all going to die on their oh. planet. It's going to get hit by something. Oh, and the stars are sort of, you know, there's a, she can see the change in them over time. Mm. And um, everyone's going to die. So not only is she, you know, the sole like physicist, she's mm. trying to build a physics lab, refusing to kill herself to have children. <laughs> she's also like trying to save the world. It's like, oh my God, could the stakes be any higher? <laughs> and so the name of the book, The Clockwork Rocket, comes from, they're basically like, we'll need to build a rocket to get mm. off this planet mm. and go and figure out how to fix this problem with the stars. And so that there's this is a three-parter, it's a trilogy. And the physics of their universe enables so much cool stuff. Like think like Interstellar had some cool like set piece moments where mm. gravity general relativity kind of and you know interacts with our day-to-day perception of the world. So this, but like other physics and it is just wonderful. Like it's <laughs> so good. I I just I gave every single book five stars on Goodreads and I would happily, I was weeping in the last chapter of the last book. And I just, when I finished it, I thought I could just go back and start again. That's a, well, that's, that's the um, massive recommendation uh, for Clockwork Rocket. Uh, mm. Natasha, I would love to chat more. You know, we can chat for many, many we hours could. in a, in a basement we, we're somewhere. Thousands of years if we can just yeah, that's stay right. immortal. That'd that's right. That'd be great. Just chatting books. All these books will be in the show notes. People can now go and read them and tell us why we're right or why we're wrong about these books. We'd love to hear from the listeners and what you thought in all the usual places, Twitter and Instagram and, and emails, you know, the website itself. Just do that. All right. Thank you, Natasha. And we'll talk again very soon. Yeah. Thanks, Greg. Cheers. I always find it funny when you make a friend and you have a very specific thing that you do with that friend. So for Natasha and I, we've become book buddies. We just love talking about books and it's wonderful and I love it every moment of it. We get to chat, but it could lose me my job one day because when we chat, at work, I probably should be working and not chatting about novels for hours. Wonderful listeners, I do hope you enjoyed that. What are other surprising books about alien and intelligences and science fiction we should know about? And maybe later on we can go back into another book club, Alien Intelligences. So let us know your book recommendations and we'll talk again very soon. Be excellent to each other. Goodbye. Goodbye.